Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That is me. I'm your host here, bringing entrepreneurs, startups, founders, uh, together with angels, VCs, family offices, investment firms, you name it. Anyone who wants to be in this startup incubator accelerator space, we want to point out that uh, nothing we say or do is a recommendation to buy. You should do your own research, um, and and you should make that should be clear to everyone. We are we are here for information. Uh, we tend to be a little enthusiastic, but that is not a recommendation to buy. Do your own work. Now, with that bummer. Um, caveat, let's introduce our guest today is Lev Schneider. He is the CEO of Happiness as a Service uh, in the Netherlands. Lev, it's great to have you. Nice to see you again. Oh, the pleasure is completely mine, Michael. Thank you for having me. So um, we all know what SaaS is, Software as a Service. I, I think most people who look at this, uh, listen to this podcast would know that. But um, I know you're in customer service. And we've talked about it a bit, so I know a little bit, but I want to let you tell us what happiness as a service really is. What's that all about? Well, happiness as a service is a mindset. So for so many years, uh, so many organizations, HR-wise or otherwise, have been looking at things like the NPS score. Are people happy with the services they provide? Are people happy as uh, uh, with us as employers? Things like that. But in our opinion, they don't really care. They just want to have a 9 out of 10, a 10 out of 10, because then they get all their bonuses and then it's aligned. And in the age of data, we can actually take that feedback, take that sentiment and transform it into action that actually makes people happier, makes them feel better. Uh, let's, uh, the, the most silent voices to be heard instead of the most visible and the most loud voices, which we are so much used to in the era of social media. Yes, indeed. So you have chosen what I what I what I like about happiness as a service. First of all, I think you deserve you and your four partners all together, right? Four and four all told. It's, it's the six of us now. We're growing really fast. Oh, six of six now. Okay, great. And I should point out that um, you have a uh, valuation of from five to seven million dollars and are looking for one point four million. Do I have that right? That is absolutely right. Okay. So here's what I love about this. And then I'm going to, I'm going to um, have a lot of questions about how the implementation works out because customer service is the cesspool of corporate America and worldwide, because it's so hard to do. Um, you're dealing with customers at their worst in a way, but maybe at their best in a way, because they're telling you stuff you need to hear, even if you don't want to hear it. And throughout that process, there has to be a, a level of cordiality, um, at least in theory. But in practice, what happens is it's it sucks. <laughs> it just flat out sucks almost every time. Um, I used the example recently of uh, Hootsuite. I might have even told you, Lev. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a duplicate. I had a. I, I was getting charged seventy-five dollars a month for um, for an account I didn't even know I had. Um, I didn't have the email. I didn't have the necessary information to cancel it because I didn't even know I had it. And I just never resolved it, ended up canceling the credit card that it was on. And that's caused me all kinds of, um, all kinds of issues, but that that's a, you know, there are also great customer service experiences, but the question is, how do you, how do you do this? What's the implementation and how do you scale it? How do you make it big? 
Right, and and we spoke about it the last time about skill and things like that. So let let me start with the first part of that question. Go to the second because I think these are very two separate uh, discussions to have. Well, firstly, when you talk about companies who don't understand their customers, don't deliver good customer satisfactions, at the end of the day, the horrible truth is they really just don't care. They don't care. Facebook not having a great customer service means they don't care about your opinion. And what we see is throughout the history of corporations, when companies don't listen to their customers, they disappear. We all know Blockbuster. They could have been the next Netflix, but they are not. Why? They don't listen to their customers. And that's not, not just customer service. We, we see now the great resignation in, in the United States and Europe overall. People are leaving their companies. Why? Well, because they don't like being there. Would anyone really leave their company for $5,000 more a year if they were really happy where we're at? No, of course not. So the problem is if we don't want to listen as corporations, we shouldn't be surprised that people don't like us and our brands are bad. And when a new company comes on the forefront and they're doing it so much better, yeah, you lose your customers then because at the end of the day, it becomes a pure a, a transaction, nothing else. That's what, Now, when we go back to skill, so skill is a really, really difficult question. And Actually, we kind of evolved since the last time we spoke, you and I. Skill is for us to find out, first of all, we uh, market tested our product in different kinds of industries. We spent quite a lot of time in the energy sector in the Netherlands when we tried to third-party verificate uh, their external call centers. Are these call centers doing the right job? Are they not harming your brand while they're doing sales on your brand? Things like that. And for us now, we came to a decision that we are going to first focus on HR and we're going to start with youth sport clubs where we're going to offer our tool for free because we want to create safer environment for young boys and girls to do their sports because it really matters uh, that they do their sports, yet they feel uh, safe and they feel empowered to say when they don't feel safe. How and then we want service, How does customer service come into play within youth sports clubs? Well, well, that's a great example. One of our new investors, not investors, not shareholders slash advisors, he used to be a professional field hockey coach. I mean, field hockey is very, very big in the Netherlands. I know it's within the Ivy League in the U.S. It's also quite important, but it's one of the national sports here. And he was he was training 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds of a very high level. And then he also trained Olympic squads. Now, at the end of the day, feedback it's not only customer service. Feedback is everywhere and ev all the time. Mm -hmm. it, it can be your employee. It can be your colleague. It can be your kid who plays soccer or American football. And for us, we want, at the end of the day, our goal, our vision as a, as a company is to empower people, to give people a voice that it's easy for them to communicate at scale. And then we get to the scale thing. So first, our aim is to create intelligent industry graphs to really understand the industry. So we had to choose what, what part, what industry, what uh, are we going to focus on? And we landed on HR because if we take, for example, the recruitment industry in the United States, there is a 25% employee turnover on a yearly basis. We can imagine asking the big recruiters of this world to pay us $4 per month per employee that we ch check if every day we have a little communication moment. And the way our tool is to completely automatized, it, 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 ha it happens immediately. You don't, no one has to be in between. And at the end of the day, you get in, in your dashboard, you get all the information. So, so first we want to start conquering one little and maybe 
in these days, conquering is not a nice word to use. So let's, let, we first want to. Mastering. Mastering, yes. I, I like that, Michael. Thanks a lot. Oh. And uh, we want to master this, field, uh, this specific industry, this specific segment, and we go from there. And you probably, as an angel, heard this, saw this problem yourself quite often, is that a tool such as ours is so adaptable to different situations and different markets and different use cases that you get this tyranny of choice. Where do we invest in? Where, what, what, where do our resources go? What time do we spend on what? And we followed um, in the last month specifically, and we came to the conclusion we can be the most valuable is helping kids, young adults and sportsmen. And we want to do that for free. We want to help kids for free. I think that's part of who we are. And besides having great PR, it makes us feel good about ourselves. At the end of the day, it's all about making yourself feel good, I guess. And, and then secondly, we want to start working with organizations, helping them to keep their employees and to make sure that they nip problems in the butt before it became catastrophes, right? So you see this all the time in the news, something happens in an organization. What, what, what if a year before that, we already could indicate an organization, there's something going wrong within your organizations. Perhaps this would have never happened. Can you imagine if the turnover, employee turnover rate in the recruitment industry would go down from 25% to 20%? How much money does that save an organization? It's unbelievable the amount of value that we can provide. But let me ask this. Let me ask this. So, let's let's uh, do a little role playing. Say I'm um, uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm the coach and the general manager of a youth sports team um, in the Netherlands, and you've gotten a meeting with me because uh, this is your focus, and you come in and what what do you tell me? What's the sales pitch? What's the elevator pitch for this? Oh, we already had this conversation, but the sales pitch is very simple. I, we said we want to provide you a tool for free because we care about the safety of kids within your organization. What we will give you is a constant communication with you and your kids where you can every day after every training see how everyone is feeling. You will get you'll be the first one to know when there's something is wrong and you will not only understand that something is wrong, but what exactly is wrong. And you will be able at scale, you'll be able to intervene you'll be able to uh, exchange uh, a dialogue talk to uh, involve a psychologist speak to the parents things like that it's the okay. most important thing that you can sorry go ahead um, what, what I was going to ask though is um, okay so um, so it's you know as I'm listening to this I'm thinking oh okay it's not just customer service it's really a feedback loop that can take many forms. That's um, right. With customers, with partners, with with anyone really. Mm -hmm. So so how I'm really this is a conversation. It's kind of interesting because, you know, if if you if this if we were talking with a deep tech company, I wouldn't I would ask them how, but I wouldn't really necessarily understand the explanation. But I think it's really important for people to understand how you do this. Is it a questionnaire that everyone fills out at the end of the day and how do you how do you incentivize you know in particular teenage kids, you know to get on an app and tell their coach how they're feeling? That's well, first of all, it's not. Well, first of all, it's not. First of all, it's not an app. It's a well, it's a web application. So nothing needs to be installed. We believe in the lowest thresholds. Secondly, we I, we don't believe in uh, uh, forcing people to spend five minutes or ten minutes even on it. I mean, how often do you get a survey? And do you have fifteen minutes of your day? No, of course not. I don't. We all are 
Over interactions that we test are below one minute, first of all, so that already makes it really low. Within the call center industry, we were able to get 30% uh, response rates. So way, way above the industry standard. Why? Because we look we look nice. We are it's it's a fun you take the bunny, has happiness is served has, and that's just a bunny. So the bunny runs along the line. And at the end of the day, we want to incentivize them via their clubs. I think a trainer at each of each trainer said, guys, please don't forget to do it because it's, a, because it's part of the social fabric that everybody cares about themselves. And especially in the Netherlands here, but I also think in the United States, coaches are very much involved with the kids that they're with. And sometimes kids feel frightened to tell one-on-one some, something, but it's sometimes really safe to say, fine, I'm not feeling so good today. So... so I heard some horrific stories from our advisor about what happens to certain kids and when they don't feel good. And I can't share these stories because they're confidential, obviously. But uh, I wish there was a tool like Haas back in the day that could at least, you know, see the first signs of something not going that well, something going the wrong way. And that's it. Yeah. So so, um, I want to reintroduce you, Lev Schneider, CEO of Happiness as a Service in the Netherlands. This is the Accelerator with Michael Conniff. Um, I think, so it raises a lot of um, interesting questions, but it, it, I think one of the things you've mentioned several times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna to brand it for you, um, is an early warning system, right? It's like you've talked a couple of times about how problems fester Within That's an right. organization. And, and, and people at the top just have no idea until it's too late in many cases, which is, I think, you're, what you're saying. So let me just get into the nuts and bolts of this. How do you, how do you price this? And how do you, how do you make, how is, in what way is this a business? It sounds like a, you know, a very useful social service, but how's it a business? How do you well, make money? I, I think you made a really good festering. So we just spoke about mental health within the youth teams. And obviously we don't want, want to make money there. It's not about making money in that specific case. Right. Let's go to a, a use case that we really like to use because a lot of my friends are within the recruitment industry. So currently in the United States, the recruitment industry has a 25% uh, yearly turnover of employees. So that means that every year they need to rehire 25% people. Mm-hmm. And retrain 25%. The amount of resources going there is unbelievable. And that's just the first step. When you say, and also when you say before something sounds festering, it doesn't have to be mental health even. What if there is a fight with a manager on the floor and before it really uh, goes to hell? So the way we price right now, we, we've seen a lot of businesses that offer employee-wise uh, services. It's somewhere between the 2 and $4 per month per employee. So your, your we're happiness as a service is two to four dollars per month per month. Yeah, yeah. So that in that specific use case, uh, but another use case could be as well. You can imagine if we go back to the recruiters. Uh, the one of the biggest recruiters in the world is Randstad, which is a Dutch company, but they're also very big in the United States. They have hundreds of thousands of people working as temp workers via them. Why not ask them every day? How do you like your job right now? Can you imagine the amounts of data that are missing out on what's going on with their employee, with their temp uh, workers? It's it's insane that. Under- Go is ahead. Any of this data, is is any of this data um, that you capture anonymous? Because I think you will get a different answer if you know who I am versus you don't know who I am. Um, do you do you do that as well? 
so we have to, we do two things. We do anonymized and non-anonymized. So in the case of the call center use case that I mentioned before, we actually, uh, as a GDPR thing, even before we send them an SMS, it was an SMS with a link which they clicked on. They already had, gave their consent that they were allowed to have this. So, and because we track them, we know exactly who said what, right? Mm -hmm. But in the case with HR, for example, one could imagine that an employee wants to say something negative about a situation at work, but doesn't want uh, the employer to know who exactly he or she is, because it could be very unfortunate and you never know how vengeful someone could be or things like that. And I, we can all understand. So we, we offer both anonymous and not anonymous because I think there's a, we think there's a moment in place for both situation because, and sometimes people do want to say, Hey, this is my opinion. And my name is Michael. And this is how I feel about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. So um, what industries have you targeted once you, I, I mean, I, I assume you're using the youth um, sports uh, sort of a nonprofit application as a pilot of some sort. What what right. industries do you think are most ready for this? And 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 you might also want to talk about the customer service component we started with because remember happiness as a service, right? It was um, um, you know it's it's um, a great concept but a nebulous one. So how do you? How do you drill down into customer service and, and what industries do you go after? Right. Well, first of all, I think our last conversation where you really inspired me to think about scalability and what it means for a company. And that's why I'm telling a bit of a different story than f at first. Yeah, I, I get to ask the questions. I don't have to worry about answering them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So what and, did you, uh, well, well, tell me, let's continue that part of the conversation. What about scalability? How do you, how do you get there? And so basically what happened was, was very simple. So we experiment in three different industries so far. We experimented HR within our own company, how that worked. And now we're doing it with the, we will start doing it soon with the sports use case that I've been talking about. We've been experimenting with third party sales party. So that's kind of in a way customer service where call centers on your behalf, external call centers, you are calling customer, potential customers are selling your, stuff to them sure. or your services and we did we, we did e-commerce so we have a yeah. few little web shops that are running our tool uh, and after every sales they sent to their customers and asking them hey how did you feel about our goods how do you feel about our services etc etc how does that how does the e-commerce work within happiness as a service so as you can imagine the best companies to use feedback and really care about it are the companies that offer goods that are very reputation sensitive. So one of our best customers is a baby a textile e-commerce shop from Germany because parents really care about how good the quality is from the goods they get for their babies, uh, where the margins are relatively high and where return purchases are quite frequent. So we, okay. be, be, why? Because... We noticed that when you're a company, and with all due respect, when you when you resell goods from Alibaba, you don't really care about the quality. You just care about the 5% margin and, and doing the bulk sales. And I don't think you would be a good customer for us because you don't really care about the data behind the number. But when you sell a high-value good, you want to know when something goes wrong, when you want to know what's going right. And that's how it works in customer service. Real great companies that care about their goods and the quality of their service or, uh, 
they care about what's happening. They don't mind hearing that something went wrong because that's how they learn and make sure that they have best practice to prevent that. And the other way around as well. I, I just mentioned this web shop that uh, sells baby textiles uh, and uses Haas. They on average get a nine out of 10, if not a 10 out of why? Because they are providing a really, really good service. They're all about building community. They're all about providing real value and therefore it can be really valuable. Why? Because it's very good to know that you have a 10 out of 10, but you, if you don't know why, how can you replicate it? How can you make sure that you don't go wrong at a certain point? How do you know what really matters to the customer at the end of the day? And this is the things that you can learn through us. And to go back, why we chose the HR use case, we had to make it so because you really made me think with, hey, but how are you going to scale? Because you can't start creating knowledge, industry knowledge graphs for hundreds of industries. You don't have the money for it, even if you get the investment, right? So at the end of the day, we decided to say, okay, where can we have the biggest impact? What, where do we have the best network? And, where, uh, and what is something that's trending? And the big resignation was a really big thing. And then we had a few HR scandals also within um, sports teams here in the Netherlands. We had a very nasty scandal with a very famous technical director at my favorite club, IS, which was heartbreaking. Hmm. And we thought, okay, this person probably wouldn't have done, continued doing it if two years ago somebody said, hey, knock it off, man. And um, so, so if I, if I, let me just think out loud here for a minute. So one of the things I'm hearing is that within an organization, within a company, within a, a club, uh, a sports club, um, there is, you know, there's face-to-face -face communication. Yeah. There's a certain amount of email communication, a certain amount of social media interaction, but there's no mechanism for somebody to um, tell there's no, there's no um, organized way for people to let, in effect, sometimes their criticism be known, not always criticism, but to let their feedback be known. There's no way to do that and um, no easy way to do that. And it, it's also that when people do that, they can really be sticking out their neck, you know, um, whereas if it's kind of part of the culture, it's part of, you know, their happiness as a service, if it's, if it's embedded then if everybody's doing it, then you're not nearly at risk the way you are if you're the only one doing it. So I see that as kind of um, a pretty useful niche for uh, possibly for your company. Look, to, to, to bring forward a bit of a cliche, but in a way it's true, if data is the new oil, how come we're not getting the data about how people feel within an organization, sports or work or things like that, we want we at Haas want to feel people people to feel good about work, not good enough to work, and and that, and that, that in the end is important. Are you really happy right now? We had a bit of a reorganization, as I told you, there were six people now, and suddenly the whole mood changed within our own. We we saw how how a positive change can completely change the dynamic and put smiles on people, and everybody's working harder. The quality of work is different, and 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 we 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 had little you know tensions here and there. And I can only imagine how it feels to work in an extremely toxic environment. I remember a few years ago, I was working at a telecom as a sales guy and as an accountant. And my, my boss wasn't would get out of his way to bully me, to pressure me, to make me feel unpleasant for his own ego. And you have people like that in the world and you have to, you know, grow and be able to resist and say, hey, Lev, okay, you're, you're a grown man, woman or whatever. 
now it's time for you not to feel pressured by other people. But at the end of the day, sometimes it gets to you. And, and, and if it takes too long, this can destroy a whole organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we all know that um, one bad boss <laughs> is all you need to ruin things. Um, I know somebody who's kind of been in a series or was, was at a company for two years. He just left actually. He's exactly what you're talking about because you know, the bosses were jerks and everyone knew they were jerks. Um, nobody seemed to be able to tell them they're jerks. This guy, this young guy couldn't tell them they're jerks because he would get fired, you know, you know, you know, open and shut, you'd be fired. So there was no mechanism. There was no happiness as a service. There was sort of uh, unhappiness as a, as a corporate value. Unhappy I, mean, as a about, I think a lot, particularly like you see this in the bigger hedge funds and the bigger financial firms, it's almost like they feel like everyone has, and, and law firms are classic, right? Everyone has to be miserable, particularly the younger younger associates, or the or this business won't work. And it just is, you know, it's great. It's really insanity on a massive scale, yeah. frankly. Am I surprised? Why are all our colleagues leaving for a tech firm? Well, guess what, friend? Google is a really fun work environment, especially compared to Goldman Sachs. I'm sorry, because you were all about. I want you to. I want you to work forty hours uh, in three days, and at Google they say, "Hey, here, have some good food um, to bring your dog to work." And oh yeah, by the way, we'll pay you a hundred k more. <laughs> there, there's a bit of an agenda there, though. I mean, they they uh, provide the um, subsidized food or free food and the uh, free coffee, uh, the free lattes, because they want people to stay there and work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. It's not, it's not totally altruistic, but your point is well taken that, that, you know, some places are more fun than others. And, um, um, but I think, but I think the feed, if there's a way to um, build in this feedback loop into these processes in a way that's scalable, I think you've really got something. I, I do think that's a tough task. I think that's a difficult task, but I don't think I, it seems like you kind of have the field to yourself as far as I can tell. I mean, there are some other companies. And, and to get back to your altruist, my favorite saying is, uh, is when you scratch an altruist and a hypocrite bleeds, uh, we're not saying companies be altruistic. We're not telling companies be better. We're telling companies if you, for their own sakes, if they want to keep their best people and the most talented people on board, you have to understand what's going on in their mind. That's it. Obviously, it's good to be good. It feels nice to help someone. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, it's all it's all about the bottom line. And we understand that. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it should rather than being an altruistic impulse, it's I think it's a, it should be a selfish impulse. You want people to like it. You want people to be happy. That gets conveyed to customers. That shows up in the products in, in all kinds of ways. Exactly. So it's a great thing. Well, listen, Lev, this has been fascinating. Um, I, I want to end this with, with some talk about where you are and use of funds and such. So where are you in your $1.4 million round? And is that, is that a seed round? Is that a, an A round? What is that? So we're the seed round right now. Um, uh, so we haven't raised the money yet. We are with one um, Dubai-based VC. We are at a due diligence state. Okay. And, but we're talking to many more. Our aim is most importantly to find the right partners, if you know what I mean. I think uh, in the past I've seen too many companies teaming up with the wrong investors, and that never works. 
So we're taking our time. Um, we'll be we'll be part at, of uh, Draper University Accelerator in the summer. I'll be in California for two you're months. Gonna be, you're going to be there with um, a friend of this podcast um, named Sarah White, Little Bridges, uh, social media for children. Oh, lovely. Um, really cool company. You'll like her. She's delightful. Um, and, and both of you I met through the unicorn pitches. Um, and I want to, I just want to say how, um, heartbreaking it is for anyone, um, who's had to, uh, interact or who knew people in Ukraine, the unicorn pitches was based in Ukraine Oh yeah. and it, and did it did more pitch contests than anyone in the world from Ukraine. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of pitch contests. And um, now I don't know what's happened to them. I haven't heard anything. Um... I, sp I spoke to one of the girls. I forgot her name for a second. Uh, uh, my background, Michael, if you might not know, I'm originally from Soviet Union, from Russia. Oh, and I have a, my grandfather, my mother's side, my family is from the Ukraine. And our CTO, Jonathan, his family is from the Ukraine. So uh, we as a team and a company are very much mentally involved with this, especially the first week. There was a lot of sadness there. So, but we're safe we're good uh we don't want to make this about ourselves whatsoever so we don't put too much on social media about it we, we we just we talk to a lot of people so i'm i'm personally very close to that i'm very saddened that this happens i come from a jewish family so it's, it's all a little bit too close for comfort yeah and we, we, i really like the people from unicorn uh, battles it, it's, it's a great organization and uh, i really really hope they're all safe and all fine i mean at the end of the day what what's going on it really makes yeah. no sense to me whatsoever yeah that's um that's that's well said um what i didn't know you had a cto from ukraine or your your uh, ukrainian background but it it really demonstrates uh what i've been telling people is that the most the big reveal for me in starting the accelerator was how much talent and ambition and, in, and how many intelligent people there were in, in Ukraine and coming out of Ukraine. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, in fact, I just spoke to, um, uh, there's a venture capital firm called Blue Lake in London. Uh, they uh, specialize in bringing immigrant entrepreneurs to England. And um, I just uh, was in a meeting with um, one of their entrepreneurs yesterday, a company called a blind hiring uh, software called blind, uh, Fair Hire. Bijou Menon is the, is the CEO, but um, I, I was talking to him because of two um, VCs from Ukraine. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's just absolutely heartbreaking because from my perspective, which is, you know, narrow, I admit, but, but I did over the last two or three months have an opportunity to see how creative they were, how, um, how fun they were too. You know, it wasn't just like they were smart. It was like they were fun. They were alive, you know, really alive. That's how I would describe the people I met from Ukraine. So um, it's a tragedy, but but um, we just have to, we have to not give up hope is what I would say and, and hope that something better can come up, you know, a tragic, a tragedy. I, I think a silver lining is to see how some people come to the occasion when you look at the President Zelensky, uh, what a great man. And um, I spoke to a friend of mine who a few a week ago was stuck in Kiev and she she's she's a businesswoman, very, very talented Instagram influencer. She told me what's going on. And um, it's and I spoke with one of the girls from a unicorn battle. She said to me, I just want to go back home. And uh, it makes me want to weep, Michael. It really does. It's, it's sad. 
and it, it, it even more motivates me to work harder to be a better person and um, and to be nicer and, and actually not to make it about our company but that's what we are about we want we as a company want to work with nice people and we want to create nice work environments at the end of the day perhaps create a little little spots of happiness and hopefully that will lead to less conflicts as we see now in the ukraine yeah you're in the uh you're in the business of making a better world and i think that's that's really to your credit so uh lev schneider from happiness as a service coming to us on the accelerator from the netherlands it's great to see you again and um obviously and of course i wish you all the best and thank you um, lots of success and good luck with your round. And please keep us, please tell us when you raise the money. That's a, that's a news story for us. We want to know about that. We want to stay in touch. Big and, party uh, for us then. Yeah. And I guess the, the most important thing these days is to stay safe. So stay safe and, um, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Cheers, Michael. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Appreciate it.